you know, I, I think that 2021, certainly the bar has been set very, very low, right, for for a rebound year, right? So there's not, not going to take much to do better than 2020. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, teams, analytics, events, all different kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, welcome back. It's hey, been a Joe. long time. Yeah, I'm psyched for, for part two of where we started uh, and we're on the last one. Right. Um, and I, you know, I love talking about the future and what's coming. So what, what, are we, what do we got going here? So, so we're going to talk, this is going to be the lean forward edition. For anyone who's listening in order, we just did a little bit of a lean back with some of our faculty. We're now going to lean forward and talk about 2021. Um, and going around the Zoom screen, uh, once again, for those who weren't listening last time, we have um, a good group, a really interesting cross-section, Bill Squires, Charlie Shin, Scott Rosner, Tracy Belmere, Carla Varialli, you and I, Tom, Mm -hmm. uh, to talk about um, where we think everything is going to be going. So, um, and the best part, Joe, is we don't have to talk about 2020 in this right, part of exactly. the conversation. So we are leaning forward, all about leaning right. forward. Um, so, Scott, w when you look ahead now um, into your crystal ball, uh -huh. uh, the, the, the official Allendale, New Jersey crystal ball, what uh, what are some of the things that, that you've seen that have been learned that you're looking forward to to see how they're going to kind of play out? And, and we'll go around and talk about it, especially given, you know, Tracy's um, interest in the NFL, Charlie at MLS, Carla, especially with uh, the UFC, because we want to talk about that a bit, too. So but Scott, why don't you kick us off with the crystal ball going forward? Yeah, I mean, so thanks, Joe. And, and thanks, Tom, for for having me. Um, you know, I, I think that 2021, certainly the bar has been set very, very low, right, for, for a rebound year, right? So there's not, it's not going to take much to do better than 2020 um, from beginning to end. Uh, with, with that said, um, you know, I think so much of this obviously depends on, uh, on the vaccine and uh, the distribution of said vaccine and the willingness of the American public uh, and, and the public globally uh, to take the vaccine, right? So, but, but let's assume, I think underlying my, you know, my, my crystal balling um, will be the uh, assumption that there's fairly wide uptake uh, on this and that there's no major hiccups in the distribution of the vaccine or uh, post-vaccine for those who get it. So with that said, um, you know, I think that we're, what we're hearing from Dr. Fauci, from, from uh, the medical community, um, is that, you know, fall is looking like the moment where we'll be able to really um, start to return to pre-COVID life. Um, and so that starts to mean, and, and Dr. Fauci himself has talked about this, um, having full stadiums at the NFL, you know, and I think we'll see a phase in in capacity. Um, but I think the NFL in 21, the 21 season will be the first full season to really look like it did pre COVID. Um, you know, and then I think from, from there, um, you know, college football starts to, to look, look pretty normal. Um, you know, and starting with the 21 season, I think the indoor sports are a little trickier um, because I think there's, you know, just a, we have a little bit longer to go uh, on that front in, in terms of being indoors. But I think by that point, we're 
we're, we're, we're in good shape. I think the NBA um, is certainly planning on a, a 21, 22 season. It's returned to normal concerts, buildings being a lot, a lot more full, um, you know, and I would, wouldn't be surprised to see uh, kind of a late summer, fall uh, type uh, concert tour um, at, uh, at outdoor venues primarily. So, you know, I think that's where we're, that, that's my, my crystal ball on it. Um, you know, I think there's going to be, you know, some, some reluctance. I think, you know, Bill Squires has talked about this, um, you know, the notion that uh, they're going to have to be very visible with cleaning efforts and, and, the, um, and what that, the optics of that are going to be very important. Um, I think, you know, for uh, Carla, uh, Barry Bar Barker uh, on this. Um, I'm curious to see what the thoughts are going to be around uh, requirements of vaccination uh, at buildings before fans return. Do you have to, you know, show a vaccine card? Um, you're going to require your fans to to be vaccinated um, before they'll be able to attend. Uh, and obviously, the same thing for uh, for employers. Do you make your employees? Um, you know, have a vaccination as well. Those are all things that'll be figured out. But I think in terms of big picture return, um, you know, I think we're really looking at kind of uh, late Q3, early Q4 uh, of 2021 to start to approximate what we what we knew pre-COVID life to be. Charlie, um, touch a little bit. You've now had the, the benefit at MLS of going through a full season and now maybe learning a little bit, but now looking forward, um, even from an analytics standpoint, from, from a business standpoint, what were some of the things uh, that were learned that the, you can look forward now and say, man, that's going to be really important now uh, as we get back to play and, and as, as everybody else gets back to play, regardless of whether they have fans or not? Sure. I think fan experience is going to be a key area of, of uh, acceleration. Um, I think we all talk about fan experience. But for many years, the clubs have been focusing on those fan experience really tied to the attendance and the attendees of, of the game and, and people that have purchased tickets. Uh, with this COVID, uh, um, that kind of um, changed uh, the dynamics where now everyone had to kind of focus on how do we engage with fans in general without being able to have all those fans coming into the stadium. And there are a lot of ways that uh, the, the clubs have uh, really um, was creative in terms of figuring out ways to engage. Um, you know, we had drive-in uh, uh, parties uh, for fans to actually come and watch their games. There are there Zoom uh, watch parties, right? So there's going to be more utilization of technologies to be able to interact and engage with fans. And hopefully we'll have some you know, fans coming back into the stadium next year and and that will really give them the whole uh, um, experience of, of using what they've done pre, uh, uh, last year and applying it to uh, the, the kind of address the full journey of people that not only coming to the games, but also people that might be engaging, um, you know, um, on a digital media platform. Um, so I think that's really going to be the area that's going to accelerate. And because of that, I think there's going to be really a uh, big emphasis around the importance of addressability and usage of data to activate um, the engagement with, with the fans. So uh, I think it's gonna be an interesting year um, and seeing which teams are able to kind of take that leap um, based on what they've experienced um, during the COVID. Tracy, uh, from a team perspective, uh, obviously we're, we're now at the end of December, the jet season isn't 
over yet, finished or finished in some ways. Never mind, we're not going there. But um, that's 2020, Joe. We're on 2021. Right. We're on to 2021 now. So, so looking forward, um, I would imagine there are some things that that have been picked up, whether it's venue, digital, um, things that you may have found out that that brands are looking for or would like to use more of. Uh, some of those best practices from a team standpoint that you think are um, that are going to carry over and were really valuable to learn this year. I think uh, the ability to listen to your clients and to um, go from a, per, a perspective of selling them what you have versus selling them what they want to buy, um, or and being flexible in how you go about um, putting together your 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 platforms, your opportunities, etc. You know, it's um, the a lot of the, the NFL experience. Um, was a game day experience and it was being there was part of being there you know we've always always said that uh, we were you know, only 16 games a year there's only 10 home games um, so each one is a major event and going from that not being your linchpin anymore to let's see how we can take this experience and make it more digital um, from digital home you know home gating and tailgating opportunities to digital at signage and things of that nature. Um, <clears throat> the, the one challenging thing that I see that's gonna be need to be rectified is just the overall um, in decrease in ratings, right? So it's gonna be interesting to see how teams respond to that because if you don't have folks coming to the games um, and they're not watching the games as much as they used to, then you've got a major problem that you've got to figure out how to, how to address and quick sooner rather than later, sooner rather than later. So I think, uh, I think that 2021 is going to be leaning forward. The challenge is going to be being creative, being spontaneous, being um, in, uh, proactive versus reactive. Um, we've been through this now for a year. And so we need to, to as we start to think about next year, Right. Start thinking about how we can address some of the issues that 2020 pointed out to us. Carla, um, issue near and dear to your heart, opportunity near and dear to your heart, the UFC. Obviously, some of the unique challenges that have now arisen for them. Um, you know, they did you know, the UFC island for a while, uh, but also in addition to some of the things that you're very focused on, Scott touched on the legalities of, you know, letting people in a building, your thoughts on, on what you're going to be looking for going forward. And then Bill, we, we could talk about a little bit more about the venue side as well before we get to Tom. Well, the legalities of letting people in a building, if they don't have a vaccine, I see as a potential heyday for lawyers, uh, because I wonder if there are people who will be objecting to taking the vaccines for a variety of reasons. And if those buildings in particular have some public funding or can be considered entwined with a state actor, there may be some constitutional claims if somebody is not taking the vaccine for religious purposes. I just see it as a potentially sticky issue uh, in terms of legal challenges, mandating the vaccine before you can enter a public building. But we'll see. I mean, you know, lawyers are never at a loss for work and clever lawyers make clever arguments 
So I would expect to see some legal challenges about that. Um, you know, some other folks on this call have already addressed the impressive safety protocols that have happened. Um, let's see if there are any lawsuits arising out of alleged lapses or COVID exposure once things get um, back up and running as they were in uh, before the COVID crisis hit. So I just see a, a lot of expertise being needed moving forward in 2021. Um, and, and, and I see a lot of uh, choppy waters as we try to navigate the landscape on the venue end. Mm -hmm. And on the UFC side, give us a little bit of insight into the morass of mixed martial arts and what you think. <laughs> well, Fight Island is uh, a unique mess onto or morass onto itself. But, you know, I thought, Joe, you were going to ask me about the recent class action certification right. that came that, through. That's what I mean. Um, so, so leading forward, how does that factor into the business of the UFC? Yeah, once again, the 2020 uh, roller coaster leaves us with now a potential class action suit, which, by the way, has been lingering for six years. What's at stake? Literally billions of dollars, because this now brings in a pretty uh, solid class of fighters who will claim that the exclusive contracts suppress their earning potential, suppressed competition, and that the UFC has wronged them by doing that. And the UFC is looking at a potential enormous, forget about multi-million dollar, I, I read somewhere that the billions, uh, billions yes, exactly. Um, an interesting little tidbit, I think part of the class action decision that came out last week, there was um, a, a provision that pertained to name, image, and likeness rights for the UFC fighters, and the judge did not cer certify that portion of it going mm. forward. So again, a wonderful, the, the UFC is the gift that keeps on giving. There is always an interesting legal issue with, with that outfit. And I'm grateful for it. <laughs> Bill, um, you've now, in our previous episode, we talked about Army Navy and some of the venues. Uh, you touched a little bit on Super Bowl, but um, some of the other things you think that, that we haven't considered that we're gonna be able to see or not see like never having hard tickets again. Um, some of the challenges and the opportunity, more, more the opportunities that you're gonna see going forward. Yeah, uh, well, I just wanna piggyback a little bit with, uh, with, with my attorney, my friend Carla talked about, you know, the, with the, <laughs> the vaccine and whatnot. And I think it's, and I've, you know, I, I think we've all read about this is like, you know, somebody gets the, the virus, it's gonna be pretty difficult for them to prove that they got it at the stadium when they're probably you know, going to dinner and doing other things as well. But, you know, it's a litigious society. So we'll just have to see. Uh, but, you know, yeah, the, the um, you know, going forward is certainly, um, you know, we, you know we're, we're becoming very digital with the ticketing. But now it's not only the, the NFL, but the colleges are, are, are kind of uh, seeing the need to do that as well. Um, certainly the food and beverage industry is, is going to change a great deal you know, all contactless. Uh, I don't know what's going to do, uh, you know, now with sweets, you know, that they're, they're, it's not a buffet anymore. I don't, I don't know when you'll see buffets again, probably somewhere down the road, but not in the very near future. Wow. You know, prepackaging, um, you know, uh, you know, there, there are venues out there that you have to use a, 
a debit card. You can't use cash. And that's uh, it's kind of funny now when I go out, I'm almost afraid to give cash to somebody because I'm not sure they're going to take it. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, you know, it's, it's, but most of the places I go to, they do take it, but, um, yeah, it's a different world. Um, they're going to want to see, you know, screening at the gates. Uh, although if you ask me, I don't think temper, I know everywhere we go, you know, we get our temperature checked, but, uh, I remember Dr. Fauci one time saying he, he got his te- temperature checked in, uh, in DC and it was in July and his temperature was like 102 degrees and, you know, obviously he had to stand aside for about 10 minutes to wait to cool down. Then they had to check him again. Uh, you know, and I'm not sure that there are people out there that are asymptomatic that don't have temperatures. So, you know, temperature screen is kind of, I think more, you know, people want to see it because they're used to seeing it, but I'm not sure how much it really does, but it's going to be contactless. You know, um, you know, the challenge that we have, you know, it's just kind of like uh, alcohol management and it's, it's security. Once you, you come to our gates and get inside the building, we can control everything. But what's going out in the parking lots? I mean, how do you stop the tailgating? You know, they, I know they have plans of parking cars eight feet apart, but, you know, you don't have enough staff to really, especially a place like MetLife Stadium, we got 28,500 parking spaces. How do you actually, you know, manage that? Um, but the, the, I'm just really interested to see, you know, having gone through, the, my, you know, my episode with COVID, you know, I'm not the first in line, but I, I damn well will be in line. And I hope that everybody else in the world gets in line. But as Carla mentioned, there's, there's people out there just like the people who don't wear masks now. You know, they're going to say, I don't need masks. I don't need the vaccine. And that becomes an issue. And yeah. unless people know that the only people in that building, you know, have the vaccine, you know, have the vaccine. Although if you have the vaccine, you shouldn't get it, but you still don't want to be around with people who may have it. Uh, you know, you may not get it, for, but, you know, you still, I think if, if you touch things that, that are contaminated and you go home and bring it home to your family, I think, you know, you know, people are going to be concerned about that. But getting back to the question is, yeah, it's going to be contactless. There's no, no more hard tickets, although everybody wants that army navy ticket to frame and put on their wall you're just not going to see that anymore how about how about the downside of alcohol literally bathrooms and water fountains we don't even who knows what that's going to look like when we get back into venues yeah exactly right the water fountains have been kind of a thing of the past you know i don't know when i was a kid i drank water of a water fountain i'm 67 now and i'm still living uh but you know people have gotten away from that the restrooms are going to be a key area and they really really are you know, we, we staff the restrooms, at least in the past, just to clean up, you know, stock the toilet paper and, and sweep up. And now these people are going to be expected to, you know, scrub everything down during the event. And that's why you'll see limited. I mean, you can't possibly have a sold out football game and expect at halftime that that restroom can be maintained at the levels that people want to see. So um, it, it is interesting. Like I said, I've been on a lot of webinars and I've heard a lot. I've heard everything that everybody's doing out there. Uh, but once you start adding more and more fans to the building, it's going to make it a little more difficult, but uh, I think we'll figure it out. So coach Richardson, give us yes, some disruption. Yes, Lots of disruption. Wow. Please. Yeah. I'll, I'll, fo- I'll focus on my, uh, my favorite topic media. Um, and boy, I think it's going to be a momentous year. So you think about the big trends, the continued growth of cord cutting, the rise of the streaming services, which we can't escape. They're in our faces 24 seven. I'm talking about, the Hulus and the Peacocks and the War, uh, HBO Max, et cetera. Um, you think about the concern with ratings that Charlie, uh, excuse me, Tracy referenced a couple minutes ago, which are real. You saw a decline in ratings for almost all traditional sports in 2020. Now there are factors that affected that, but there's no question that's the trend line. And you put all that into a blender. And as I often like to say in the class, you know, this is not business as usual going into 2021. So I think the 
single biggest thing that will consume the industry for rights holders and networks and all media businesses is that they're going to accelerate this, um, this pl these plans for alternative broadcasting and streaming experiences. So Joe, I know you know what was just announced between the NFL and Nickelodeon. So they're actually gonna broadcast uh, one of the, uh, I think the NFC championship, I believe. Wild, one of the wild card games. One of the wild, wild card. I'm sorry, one of the, yeah, the wild card games on Nickelodeon with a, a completely reimagined approach to how you present football to children. I don't know if anybody watched the video, it's fascinating to watch. Um, you think about what's going on with Amazon and Twitch and Thursday Night Football. I mean, there's a lot of examples, but there's no longer any doubt that you have to come up with alternative approaches to the way you present these traditional sports. And that's easier to, to talk about and to actually do because the golden goose, of course, are the traditional presentations on network television, but they're under siege right now in the attention economy. Um, if I think about the number of hours I've spent watching combination of Netflix, Amazon, YouTube stuff, whatever, whatever combination we all have, it would definitely add up to more hours for me in 2020 than watching live sports, partly because there wasn't as much live sports. But we're in this golden age of content right now, and it just keeps coming at us. So it's going to put more pressure on all the leagues and broadcasters and media companies to be extremely creative, no longer take it for granted that the crowds will show up week after week, game after game. It's just not like that anymore. So I think you'll see everybody adopt these new aggressive approaches with the way they distribute their content and actually produce their content. Cool. Charlie uh, or Tracy, on the, on the measurement side, in terms of business metrics, um, something that you're looking forward to seeing if it actually sticks and, and will actually have an impact on sales and, and uh, brands that, that are activating? Uh, is there something that, that was learned that, that will now definitely go forward, a new metric that we hadn't thought about before? I think, look, I think what this is going to do is uh, put some more pressure on the, the companies that needs to provide better uh, measurement capabilities, right? So yeah. the, the Nielsen type of the world where there's so many uh, fragmented ways that our fans are now engaging. Um, and there's different platforms and, and media outlets that they're using to engage. Like, how do we bring this all together so that we're actually able to have that uh, consolidated engagement metrics. Because if we can't measure something, then it doesn't matter different types of measurements or metrics you could come up with, because if you're not gonna be able to provide that full picture, then it's not gonna be uh, useful. So I think, I think there are a lot of efforts um, that are being put in place by those companies um, like Nielsen to come up with ways to integrate all the, the data. But I think that's where it needs to start first um, and then you know, we'll be able to kind of actually get an understanding of what that actually means. Uh, Scott or Carla, college sports. Um, we touched a little bit on NIL before. Um, I watched Real Sports this week and, and the general consensus was the biggest disaster this year was college football from the way they viewed it. Now, the fact that we're going to get to a college football championship, I don't know if a lot of people are going to remember all the the droppings off, but we're still here at the end of December, don't know whether we're going to have March, April, or May madness. And let alone all the schools that have college athletes that didn't play this year and what that means. So, so 
Carla and Scott, you know, your thoughts on the reimagined NCAA, not just from an NIL standpoint, but overall, and, and what do you think it will look, look like going forward um, from a business perspective? Well, I think for, looking at it from a business perspective, we kind of have to knit in what's going to happen with the NIL um, and, and the grant and aid uh, litigation in front of the Supreme Court right now. I don't know that we can divorce the two. I mean, to me, the, the and maybe looking forward, it won't be uh, as much of an issue, but the athletes who uh, played notwithstanding or in the, in the face of the, uh, the COVID crisis, to me, is still such a lingering issue and what that did in terms of public relations and potential liability for uh, the NCAA and member schools. Scott, maybe you have a more rosy outlook than me. <clears throat> Well, I mean, I think there's a, a couple of different aspects to this. I, I think first and foremost, um, you know, the idea that in the pro leagues, at least there's collective bargaining uh, between the athletes and through their union and management over the terms and conditions of, of their employment, um, including during the COVID impacted seasons, uh, you know, what, uh, what comp would look like, you know, environments around the game, bubble, so forth and so on. Uh, in the intercollegiate space, obviously, there is no collective bargaining. Um, and so it has been much more of uh, a scenario where, of course, athletes were given the opportunity to opt out of the seasons. Um, but it's been more of a, of a dictation kind of environment, one-way street. And that is the nature of intercollegiate athletics. I think we're all used to it. Um, but that has been the, the scenario that's played out. So it, I think the, the inequities uh, of the intercollegiate athletic system in this instance are exacerbated um, compared to what happens at the professional level. I think the other piece of this, there are many other pieces, obviously the game day revenue has been really impacted. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, schools have uh, faced decreases in endowments, decreased levels of, of giving may or may not be seen because the environment, the economy is still strong, even though we're in this, um, you know, significantly different environment. Um, but, you know, I think from a, an overall standpoint, what is, you know, what does 2021 look like for college sports? Um, you know, I think it's going to be bumpy. Um, from a uh, from a, a college basketball season, we're already seeing that play out. Um, you know, I, I think the conferences are similarly going to face issues with their tournaments before we even get to March Madness. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think that going forward, um, you know, we're, it's the same dynamic from an attendance perspective that we'll see uh, in the 2021-22 season that we talked about before uh, at the professional level. Uh, and what the recovery could look like. Uh, but I think that uh, specifically college basketball, college football season is almost over at this point, right? So college basketball season, um, you know, is the next real big focal area uh, in, in this space. And, and the NCAA needs March Madness um, in order to, um, you know, to happen um, because that is, it's 90% plus of their revenue. Cool. Um in the time we have left, uh, and Tom Richardson, why don't we kind of start with you and we'll come back to you. Companies that you're watching, things that you're eager to see, I'm very excited about where we're gonna go, going forward and kind of coming up the other side of this. Um, who are you looking for? What are you looking for? What do you want people to have their eye on going forward that we haven't really touched on yet? There's a, there's a few things that I can think of, but I'm sure everybody has some other things that, that we haven't kicked around yet. So 
Tom is the co-host. Why don't we start it off with you? Yeah, I would go to my um, a topic that we we've talked about before, but I think it's a big question going into 2021, which is will this be the year? Will 2021 be the year when one of the big tech players makes a more a bolder move into sports? And my prediction is yes, this will be the year. And what that looks like, we can't say yet. But as you as you guys know a bunch of these big deals or, or versions of these deals or packages, versions of these packages are maybe available uh, for, for, for new, some new uh, suitors. Um, Amazon obviously has invested in the NFL over the last few years with Thursday Night Football. Uh, it's, it's a well-known fact that ESPN is coveting Sunday Night Football. Um, it's a well-known fact that as cord cutting continues and the pressure on these legacy media businesses continues to grow that without key sports content such as MLB, NFL, NBA, et cetera, they, their businesses are literally just gonna be crushed. So it, it, there's this odd economic situation right now in that everybody's prepared to spend a lot more money, but it has a very dire effect on the traditional companies. We've seen that with layoffs at places like ESPN, NBC, et cetera. It's really, um, a completely different story in big tech. These companies are so wealthy, it's almost inconceivable. So you think of companies like Apple now valued at over $2 trillion, Amazon, I think a, a trillion and a half. They can so easily jump into the space in a more aggressive way. And as we know, those of us who've been around the business a long time, we know that ultimately money talks. So you can talk about uh, distribution questions or reach or uh, audience segmentation or whatever, but um, the, the money is there. I believe the ambition is there, Joe, something that we haven't talked about in the podcast, but you know that Apple now has a fledgling sports division. We know the guy that runs it. Runs it. Uh, we know one of the key players from ESPN uh, is now the key person at Amazon. That's not a coincidence, everybody. I mean, that's they're, they're looking to make moves. And I think 2021 will be the year where moves are made. Uh, and if, I'll finish off my comment with this. I, I think the player that I'm watching most closely among the big guys is uh, Amazon. Um, and on for the, uh, as a secondary thought about who I'm looking at on the other side of the spectrum, a company that has become a darling of uh, kids and tweens in America and the world, Roblox, is uh, was supposed to go public last week. It was postponed. And one of the reasons allegedly it was postponed is that it's actually worth quite a bit more than what they were gonna go out at. So there's more money to be had by uh, the founders and their investors, uh, et cetera. But if you look at the numbers that Roblox is delivering in terms of their command of uh, a young audience, it is really quite stunning. So I'm really anxious to see that um, IPO develop. And um, again, we'll probably see some really creative partnerships because the, the leagues, kind of like that Nickelodeon reference, they can't ignore the fact that a lot of young people are spending time in, in alternative environments that might not lead them to uh, the traditional sports uh, media landscape that we all grew up with. Bill Squires, other than Navy taking the commander in chief's trophy back, what are some of the uh, the things you may have your eye on? Oh uh, yeah, well we start, we're certainly giving it up this year, but uh, you know it's it's kind of like uh, 9/11. Um, 
I mean, all these companies came out of nowhere with all these different technologies to protect the fans, protect the venue and whatnot. And seeing the same thing now, not only, uh, you know, with custodial and hygiene, but uh, social distancing, you know, camera systems and, uh, you know, GPS systems and RFID tags for fans and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're all over the place. And, um, and some of these things are, you know, they, they come out and two months later, they're, they're archaic. They're not, you know, usable anymore. So, um, I think that's, that's, it's in the process of happening and I think it's going to continue. Um, you kind of wonder if there'll, there'll be something like the safety act for them where they're protected liability wise, if, if they don't work or if somebody gets COVID. But, um, I think, you know, when it comes to companies and whatnot, everybody's out there, you know, from Johnson and Johnson to, uh, Cisco to everybody. So that's my answer. Tracy, from a team perspective or, or other things that you guys have your eyes on there? I'm very um, curious to see how teams and sports at large carry on with the social justice initiatives that we've started um, and how they manifest themselves over the next uh, three, six, nine months. Cool. And uh, Scott, uh, I'll come to you because that ties into uh, a pretty big announcement that was made this week uh, with regard to one of our faculty members, Greg Taylor at the NBA, uh, and how the NBA is going to use their foundation to, to distribute some dollars. But Scott, things you have your eye on uh, that we haven't even touched on yet. We haven't touched on yet. Boy, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, now, look, I think it's a, it is ultimately um, a, a combination of a lot of things. I think for, for our students, so I'll focus just on our program to answer this question. Um, you know, what in their 2021, 2021 calendar year experience, um, I think the students who are poised to finish in December, which is the lion's share of the students who entered in uh, the fall cohort of 2020, um, that they will uh, ultimately be met with a rebounding market. I think there's obviously been a lot of um, really, uh, a really devastating amount of uh, furloughs and layoffs uh, and those who have left the industry uh, during, during this, this moment. Um, now, will those folks come back in? Um, you know, what will the entry level, uh, mid-level type positions that our students tend to fill more mid-ish level um, uh, look like? Will that environment be? Uh, I'm optimistic. I think that those folks um, are going to have, have timed it um, quite fortuitously uh, because the work is still need to get, still need to going to get done, um, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm quite bullish uh, on in that respect, you know, what's the internship experience going to be like? What's the classroom experience going to be like as we head further downstream into, um, you know, we know what the what the spring is going to look like. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of what the summer is going to look like. But, um, you know, I'm fully anticipating the fall that we're, um, you know, based on if you can fill stadiums, then we can have people in classrooms um, and that our faculty will have been vaccinated. Our students are, um, you know, likely going to opt in big numbers to to do so. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic. I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the phone with students who are, you know, considering accepted students already for the fall of 21 cohort. Uh, I spoke to three earlier today, 
um, and they all have the same questions, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite optimistic about it. Uh, I can't wait, uh, I think, like everyone else, uh, to return to uh, the pre-COVID uh, life with some, you know, with some modifications and the things that we have learned. Um, but while it's certainly going to get darker um, before, uh, before it gets lighter out, um, you know, in the early phases of, you know, so Q1 of 2021, um, there's absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, when it's dark in the tunnel, you keep going. Um, and, you know, then we'll, we'll see the light there. And, and I can't wait. I think I'm, you know, like everyone else. Charlie, from a leak perspective, things that you're looking forward to? Um, getting people back into the stadium for sure. Um, but I, I do want to touch on what Scott had kind of mentioned and, and you know, thought about uh, what the potential long-term impact um, it might have for the loss of knowledge of, of all the people that were part of our industries and our colleagues that have left because of the, the COVID and, and the furloughs and, and layoffs and, and, you know, what that represents. Um, it, because I think everything that we do is, is um, done through people and the knowledge that it's acquired is enormous. And it's unfortunate that there's been significant uh, impact in the industries and, and uh, that resulted in, you know, type of uh, layoffs and, and furloughs. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get them back into the industry as soon as possible. But if not, I think there's going to be a long-term impact uh, because of that. So, Cool. Uh, Carla, obviously a lot of changes coming, uh, new administration in DC, um, government getting involved in things like NIL and the NCA now, uh, obviously the UFC, you can go on and on about the legal challenges in sport that will reshape things, but, but what are some of the things, the positive things that you're, you're excited to be looking for, uh, at least in the first couple months of, of 2021 and beyond? Well, I think with the new administration coming in, as you mentioned, uh, the topic I brought up in our last podcast session, really this new day in terms of the way that we look at social justice, equality, athletes as a platform, not being told to shut up and dribble, but allowing the athletes to have a voice in, in social change. I think that's enormously exciting. And with the new administration, my hope is that we have a breath of fresh air in that arena as well. Cool. Tom Richardson, it comes back to you and I to wrap it up. So. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, hey, can I throw a couple out there? Of course. Yeah. So Joe, somebody you, said to Joe, me what yesterday, are you, what are you predicting for 2020? One of, one of the things that people aren't watching, which will impact sports and entertainment is Ryan Reynolds buying a soccer club and how that's going to be impact uh, the way things will be viewed, he's, he's in the closing phases of buying a club in the UK and has lots of ways to reimagine what that experience is going to be like and eventually bring it back to the US. Um, people have talked about um, the, the issues with um, social justice, a group that I think is going to continue to rise and will have a bigger voice are indigenous peoples and players. Um, there is uh, a good uh, that the uh, a lot of talk now that the president the president elect will appoint an indigenous woman for the secretary of the interior. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about recently, ironically, about Jim Thorpe having his medals returned. 
uh, and some of the buzz around companies like Nike to say, we need to figure out how to better empower indigenous peoples and give them more of a voice, I think is gonna become important and is gonna grow. And I think the learnings of gaming uh, across the board to have people more involved, not just really competitive esports, but how the gamification of things is going to factor into the way we experience things is something that we picked up and we're forced to, whether it was Formula E or iRacing or Drone Racing League or NBA 2K or NHL. Um, and I think those things are gonna be important going forward and it's gonna be a new way to see, you know, how that all gets mixed together into an experience that's sellable, which at the end of the day, everything's gotta be able to be sold so that we sort of replenish the coffers that have been so diminished in the last year. So. And, and, and Joe, it, it just occurred to me that I don't believe we've mentioned the words betting or gambling in either no. of these two pot wrap-up podcasts. By the way, one more, uh, yeah. which is really, really important, is the growth of athletes who also happen to be women and where that kind of fell off. But now, yeah. with the hirings that we've seen in the last, right. the last mm -hmm. quarter, whether it's Kim Ang or other, other really senior executives, um, another area which I think is going to be really impactful going into assuming that we have an Olympics in the summer. So, right. Sorry. I just want to make this point about the it's your point about gamification, and um, it, it's it's worth noting that uh, as we know, most I would suspect it's true with all fifty states are in pretty dire straits financially. This came up this week in New York State with Cuomo. Yeah. Uh, who actually indicated an openness to go beyond uh, general sports gambling, sports betting legalization to what's usually called online, but it kind of means online slash mobile. Because, and Joe, you know this from being in Jersey, they're breaking records in Jersey for the action uh, they're creating through mobile gaming, mobile uh, betting. It's crazy. The so, Starbucks in Fort Lee. More, so more, what one would think... As partisan as many of these debates are, even on state levels, that most of them are going to have to be moving a lot faster on this issue uh, in 2021. So I'm hoping, uh, as someone who lives in a state that does not have legalized sports betting, this happens because it relates to my earlier point about attention and media, is that uh, you hear this mentioned virtually in every industry report that's issued from Deloitte to PwC to activate, and that is, it's a great way to, and, and Charlie's used the word engagement multiple times today, it's a great way to drive further engagement. We know that to be true. So it feels like it's gotta grow uh, uh, very large in 2021 and, and that market and the market around it, because as you know, it's a pretty big ecosystem with uh, related to data and technology, media, et cetera will be another giant story of 2021. At least I hope it is. Cool. Accelerate the inevitable. That's what we're going to yep. end. So uh, thanks to everybody. Bill Squires, Charlie Shin, Scott Rosner, Tracy Belmere, Carla Varialli, Tom Cerny, Ben Walsh, Taylor DiBernardo, all behind the scenes. Uh, great way to wrap up 2020 and look ahead to 2021. Who the hell knows if, where we're going to be at this point next year, but hopefully we can <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe we should start. I hope we're all on this call again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll, ju we'll just leave this Zoom call open and just feel free to pop in anytime you want to offer a prognostication or something like that. Or on uh, the scoreboard.
Yeah. No, actually, this is a good idea to wrap up the year through a conversation with a bunch of uh, thoughtful, smart, nice people. So I'll I'm, find them now. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, uh, Joe, Joe, the woman uh, Biden did um, um, yes. appoint a, a Native American woman. I can't remember her name right now to be Secretary of the Interior. Yep. And she's yeah. from New Mexico, and I can't remember her name. And hopefully, by the time people yeah. listen to this, she will have been officially appointed. So that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. And confirmed. Cool, confirmed. So, yeah. so once again, looking forward to 2021. I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson, and our producers, Tom, Ben, and Taylor. We'll see you down the road. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. That was really fun. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome.